hello there. Thank you for joining us again on The Basic and The Brain. For those of you who may have missed us the last few weeks, we're Alina and Maddie, aka The Basic and The Brain, and we're here to bring Botox and Bravo to the fucking table for your next dinner party. Yeah, I mean, think of it as us bringing basic bitch topics into the intellectual sphere. So grab yourself a glass of wine, or White Claw, or whatever hard seltzer, alcoholic drink of preference, (laughs) and join us for this week's episode. Wow, what a week. Um, What a week. (laughs) I feel like our generation, um, and for our listeners, you know, me and Alina are millennials. Um, It just seems like it's... We're old, yeah, but it's just one thing after another, honestly. Um, Like, we were in a pandemic, still in a pandemic, um, and you know, now there's the potential of world war three. Remember when I jokingly said, when we were first talking about my birthday, how, mm. oh, I originally wanted to do Greece, but you know, with world war three impending <laughs> and I was just very much joking. Like I wasn't like, that wasn't real, you know? Um, but look at where we're at. So look, what you're saying is that at. you caused world war three. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I, I mean, manifested it. No. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> let's let's not. Um, no. <laughs> oh God, we can over psychoanalyze this a lot. Um, yeah, no. It's. I feel like this has been. Yeah, it's just been like a heavy, heavy week, and I am yeah. trying to process like what what this means for everyone, for us, and I don't know. It was like yeah. weird because I was appreciative of like the standard content that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. In like mm. the midst of everything, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh, like how if it felt a little bit insensitive, right? It's like you know, the Times or whatever is posting about what's happening over you know in in Ukraine, and then Kyle from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is like, "This is a thirst trap," and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> um, but again, I was like appreciative of it because after a while, I got a little bit depressed. I was like, I, "I, I, don't actually know if I can, if I can see this all day long." And I was like, in my feelings, and you know, yeah. I'm not political, and you know, I'm not like in my feelings or things like that. But like, I was just mm-hmm. like, "Really? <laughs> Why? Why?" And then I started. Sorry, not to cut you off, but then I was thinking about like. Is this just like guys with little dick complex that are just trying to like piss on each other? Because that's what it feels like. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, like, why else would you like? I just can't understand. I can't comprehend it. And so maybe that's just me being like dumb and oblivious. Or, but I'm no. just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you are not dumb in any way, shape, or form. Because I literally sat back. I mean, I think it was. I was texting you because I had literally had a couple of drinks. Pierre and I were talking about how the financial markets are basically going down. I mean, now they're back up, but who knows what this war will do. Um, But um, I remember just texting you and being like, why is it that we have to suffer because a few old white boomers Mm -hmm. who are the so-called decision makers decided that you know, they wanted to have a dick swinging contest. Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of wild? Like majority of the people that I've actually pretty much everyone on social media that I've seen across like Twitter or across TikTok, across Facebook, across Instagram, whatever it is, everyone's just like, they don't understand why this is happening and why things have escalated the way that it has. And how we're like in this impending cold war slash world war three situation. Um, and so I mean, it's not yeah, cold. I, I it's definitely not a cold war. Uh, no, it's definitely. <laughs> it is. Pretty Sorry, I'm laughing. Toasty. I, should, I shouldn't be laughing. Pretty toasty. Um, no, exactly. I, my I, favorite. Like, oh. oh, sorry. No, I was going to say my favorite t- tweet so far this week has been the one that I sent you where it's like, when you're laughing at World War Three memes <gasps> and start to wonder why the sun is coming out at 9 p.m. And I was just like, you know, you got to love people for trying to make light of like the heaviness that we're currently in. <sighs> I know. I wish I was that funny. I'm just not. And I just don't think I understand like enough about what's going on. And I, I like, I feel like I catch up a little bit too late to like be funny about it. And then by the time I finally understand what's happening, like wrap my head around it, it's like time to learn how to be funny about something else. And so I just don't even try anymore. But um, no, it's, 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 it's serious. It's so, I'm just like, what is going on? Um, and so, you know, when I lived in Hong Kong, I feel like that was the first time I ever 
got a sense of like literally the shit that goes on in this world is about someone to someone like a person deciding hey, I think you should live like this or, hey, I want to say that I own you or what I wouldn't own, but, you know, it's a strong word, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I want to say that I own the decisions that you you have the option to make and you don't really have the mm-hmm. option, right? But, like, because when I was there, it was, like, the, the people don't want to be a part of China and, like, who gives them the right to come and be, like, oh, no, like, if you say anything bad about the CCP, we're going to come and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to prosecute you with the, with the national security law. And it's just like the same thing. Like why do they get to say, well, you should be a part of like who, who decided that? I don't know. I feel like I'm going through an existential crisis and I'm just like, what's the meaning of it all? Who, who decides what, like why, why are you a decision maker? And like, why can't we truly be free? (laughs) Why is it that like our lives have to be at the, you know, at the women call of these people who were like, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's this really interesting, um, I want to call it video, but it's like a voice recording of Carl Sagan. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, but he this is a look, this, this is the face s- of someone who knows exactly who that is. No, I don't know who that is. Sorry, who is it? <laughs> so um, I believe he's um, so astrophysicist or astronomer, but he did this whole thing. Um, so he's an American astronomer and planetary scientist and, and he's an astrophysicist. Okay. So I was right. I was like, he's one or the other. No, he's both. Um, he did this whole speech around calling earth a little blue dot. And in this audio recording, he talks about how, you know, people with like power complexes and egos, um, and like fighting over power dynamics and land and countless lives have been lost for a small percentage of a little blue dot. Um, and he's trying to talk about how inconsequential a lot of these power dynamics or fight over power dynamics are, um, but the cost is to sort of the expansive scope of the universe, um, which I think is really beautiful, but it does kind of hone in on like, what is the point of all of this? Like, why are people fighting the way that they're fighting? Like, what is the, just because someone decided to get angry and have an ego trip, um, like so many people have to lose lives, lose their viability, lose their uh, ability to be safe and secure in their own homes. Like shit is wild literally for just like an ego trip, but also like to fight over a piece of land on a little blue dot. And so I I just thought it's really beautiful and poetic. And I think, you know, kind of helps when you're going through that existential crisis a little bit, but um, it just really resonates since you had just talked about like, what the fuck is the point? (laughs) You know, like sometimes I literally drive around LA and I see these like beautiful houses and I'm like, Oh, my little like shitty Honda HRV that everybody, you know, like every time I'm in this car, I, every day it gets worse and worse. Um, but then sometimes I like have these moments where I'm like, but why does it matter if I'm in an HRV or like a Tesla? Well, that's mm-hmm. a bad example because a Tesla, I, you know me, I love to pretend that I'm like a tree hugger. No, I really am. But that's again a bad example but like why does it matter if I'm in this versus a Range Rover and it's like does it oh wait no it doesn't but then I'm like but the Range Rover would make me feel good so is that the point (laughs) or Mm. is the point to not have a point like I don't I don't know like this is why I don't do these things this is why I'm a rule follower this is why dun, they told dun, me to get dun, vaccinated. Dun. I got vaccinated. <laughs> because if I if I start to think like I spiral, it's like just so bad and triggering for all of the bad qualities that I have. And so I, I'm going to continue to believe that I'm going to be in the system. Yeah. That's just how I am. Look, I mean, you start to question things and things that frameworks and societal expectations that were given to you from a very young age that you start to question them and you start to realize, wait, so I've had this structure my whole life, but it really doesn't make sense. Why am I still following this? Yeah. So the spiraling is a real thing. And then it's like having to deal with the grief around having wasted so much of your life, dedicating bandwidth to this thing. And then the grief around, oh shit, who am I as a person? Oh shit. Now what's going to fill this space now that I'm no longer giving my energy to this? Um, 
Yeah. Welcome to the basic in the brain where we talk about existential crises and, and figuring out who you are as a human being in this, on this little blue dot. <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking as you were talking, I was like, I don't think I ever had these moments of like, what does it all mean? Until mm. we started doing this podcast. So, I mean, if nothing mm-hmm. else, I've taken that away. So thanks, Maddie. You, you've taken me from like rule follower, part of the system. <laughs> Don't question why I had to ask to use the restroom in school <laughs> to uh, why did my teacher get to say when I peed? And now yeah, this is what exactly. I think about on a day-to-day basis. And I'm also I'm... going to do things like Google astrophysicist because like I've heard that word. But as you said it, I was like... The fuck does what, what is astrophysicist? Like, what what does this man even do? Like he studies the physics of this of, of the space. universe. That's the word mm-hmm. I was looking for. I'm like, what does yeah. that even mean? I didn't make yeah, it to physics. Like, I should be very clear. <laughs> they fun were like, fact: did not do well in physics myself. That was the only class I got like a B in in high school. Well, we're not going to talk about my report card, but we're, what we're going to talk about is, <laughs> no, like, I, so I was actually in a skipper grade class. So you did like seventh, eighth and ninth together. How I managed, well, I do know how, but um, let's just say that like, I was very good at working the system as like a fifth grader, but um, th- I, I failed math, like I, algebra. I just could, I'm not a math person, as you know. I just could not. I remember my dad hired like a tutor for me. And after like an hour, the tutor fired me and was like, no. He's like, she, like she's just not smart, and and I like, I don't care if you pay me. I'm not working with this girl, and um, can't do and, it. Like, I think I took algebra one like three times, and then by the end of my senior, or by the middle of my senior year of high school, they literally put me in something called discrete math, which is like, oh my god, stop! Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have it in California, but basically, discrete math is like. This person is not capable of actually like doing mathematical functions, but we need to give them a math credit so that they can graduate high school and like go on with their lives. And so we would like read books about math and like I got a math credit and that's how I graduated. Look, 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 look. How many times in your life have you had to use the Pythagorean theorem? I mean, or anything that we learned in fucking algebra, like well, in our I think I'm lives. a general contractor, so like every day. No, I'm joking. Um, no, it's <laughs> it's so true. But like, okay, so sorry. So I never made it to physics. Wait, physics is science, not math, isn't it? It falls well, under the science group, it's but it under uses the science math group. It does. Yes. It's like you think about like velocity, speed, like thinking about like gravity e equals pools. mc squared. Oh, look at That's you. physics, right? Yes, it is. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of you. I'm really, really... Okay. <laughs> I will Bless. say, though, thank you. I know you, like, jokingly say that, like, you didn't have these thoughts until this podcast and me kind no, of I pushing really you to, to, to have these questions. But I'm actually proud of that. I will take that as a badge of honor, and that means that I'm doing my job well in this world and on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, It really has made me think, like... One of my one of my friends who's extremely educated. Um, she's actually a therapist, and she listened to our episode about the Bachelor and attachment mm. theories. And she texted me and was like, "That was so fascinating, and like not something that I, I she does every day, right? Like she literally thinks about mm. attachment styles and she thinks about relationships and all these things." And she was like, "It never even occurred to me." to like correlate mm. that. And so I, I think that you're doing a great job. I'm just, I'm, I'm more just here, Thanks, but, Mom. um, you know, I, I, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, it's seriously. And, and now here I am learning what physics is thinking about <laughs> what is the point on this little blue dot. And, uh, before we lose everybody, <laughs> I feel like we should, we should talk about our we, topic we, for the week. Well, we should talk about the topic. We should also have a have a little glass of wine or something and like make it a little bit lighter. So cheers to cheers. that. <laughs> What's in that cup? That looks like a coffee mug and I don't approve. Well, it's it's caffeine because as our listeners don't know, but you know, I have a dentist appointment after this that I'm dr- absolutely fucking dreading. Um and I feel like they wouldn't really appreciate me coming in, you know, half drunk off my ass. So I can't imagine. 
You're like, oh, I don't need anesthesia. I'm fine. I took um, care of that. I'm good. Yes, I'm great. we're good. Go ahead. Get in there. <laughs> Get into that cavity. Um, yeah, um, definitely not excited about it, but we'll see. Also, on a lighter note, since we want to switch gears here, um, I'm going to Disney this upcoming week. Um, and I'm so excited. I know. I'm so excited for you. I feel like you like have really been living under like the COVID rock. rock. Not, not a rock, but just because of where you live, right? I feel like the experience that you've yeah. had is even different than what I've had. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so restrictive, but it's it's really not in the grand scheme of things. And like, mm-hmm. I'm so happy for you because I know that Disney's your happy place and it's so is. And I get to see you. You're- I know. And I'll probably like post a couple of photos of me with like the ears on at the park. Um, oh I'm, I, I cannot wait. Um, and I feel like I've gone this far in the pandemic without catching COVID. Um, maybe I have, I don't know. Um, but from my tests and all of that, I haven't. Um, but I feel like Disney, Disney will be the place. <laughs> you're, you're like worth it. Worth, <laughs> worth it. it. I got to hug Minnie in her new pantsuit. <laughs> worth it. Um, Shut the fuck up. If I see that pantsuit, I swear to God, I'm lighting her on fire on oh, site. No, it's in Paris, I think, right? <laughs> I, I know. know. Wait, no, I, I need, don't say that you're going. What if someone hears it and like flags it and then you can't get in? Um, no, but I'm very excited jokes, for you. Jokes. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got to it's got to mean a lot if you're willing to risk COVID for that. Um, I mean. I well, just I feel will. like a lot of people are over it and they're like, I'm just going to go live my life. I feel like a lot of people are just like up and traveling right now. Like people don't care. Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think because most tired. of us have had it now. <laughs> and so I think people are yeah. like, uh, fuck it. Come for me, bitch. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I just got to do what I got to do. I got to <laughs> live my life because you know what, what else is the point on this little blue dot? Seriously, and now that we're like on the edge of World War Three, like seriously, what is the point? <laughs> I'm gonna go buy now that Range Rover. Another second, Mark, we're buying a Range Rover. <laughs> what's the that point? Live, live my live life before we live. Oh God. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> um, since I will be home while you're enjoying Minnie's pantsuit. Um, oh God. <laughs> I have a real problem on my hands and that is because I've done the impossible and I have binged all the content on Netflix and no, like literally I sit there and I just scroll and I'm like, okay, inventing Anna finished it last night. By the way, longest series of my life. It was good, but I was like, this didn't need to be 55 hours long. Um, binge like I just binge everything that's like kind of new and exciting. So mm. needed something to watch, and so Mark was like, "Oh, we should watch a movie that I've been like evading for like ten years." What was it? Ready Player One. Huh. Okay. So terrifying. Like it, it was. It was interesting and it was entertaining, and I'm actually glad I watched it. But huh. you know, I'm like fearful of robots. Like I believe the Terminator is going to happen and I don't like it. Oh yeah. And I feel like I every nineties my- kid like was scared of Skynet. And like to this day, like a lot of us have like PTSD from watching that movie from Terminator so I never 2 watched specifically. The Terminator. <laughs> but I know what it's about. <gasps> Maddie, you know oh, me, I don't yeah. I, I you know I, I don't I don't get into like cult classics and especially things like Bitch. that scare me. I don't want to know. Okay, so listen. So Anyway, but I know the premise. I know what it's about. And so the point is, I'm very scared of it. Effectively, Red Player One is like the modern day version of Terminator in a sense, mm-hmm. kind of, sort of. Um, it's very related, right? It's about artificial intelligence and robots and shit like that. So really quickly, for those of you who maybe haven't read the book or haven't watched the movie, the premise is, you know, futuristic world futuristic little blue dot and um, (laughs) the world is in the metaverse, right? And there's, I think, like a game that everybody's trying to solve or win so that they can inherit the game um, maker or creator's like crazy fortune, right? Because this guy created the world that everybody's living their life in day to day. And so again, really, really, really briefly, they find out who he is in real life. And because he's like potentially going to own 50% of the company, there's like this like massive corporation that profits off of people in the metaverse. They want to own the entire thing so they can continue to profit off of people in the metaverse. 
And um, they basically go after him. And it's like, it's just whole thing. It's like action packed, but it's also like scary and shit. Um, and yeah, it, it just kind of fucked with my head. Also, though, reiterated why I have my fears. Yeah. I mean, I kind of mirror your fears um, and understand them. Like the concept of the metaverse is terrifying. Um And it's kind of funny to me that like our society right now is so gung-ho on the concept of the metaverse because Mm -hmm. there have been like lots of mediums thus far that have said like this isn't a very good idea. (laughs) Um, Especially like when you think about how the world is on fire and we have, I mean, as is witnessed by current incidents, um, like we have so many problems in our real world currently and in our day-to-day that, you know, adding like this layer of socialization on a virtual plane, like that won't fix our everyday problems. And if anything, it'll actually cause escapism and exacerbate a lot of those issues. And in particular, when you were talking about the corporation and how they were profiting off of people in the metaverse, they were creating like a debt system. And as we know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. and especially I think during COVID and this pandemic, a lot of like the... um financial inequities have become a lot more apparent um, and especially around debt and different social classes. Um, The concept of, I think the American dream is just like no longer existent given our current financial systems in place. Um, And so watching that movie or having had watched it before, um, I feel like it's definitely going to exacerbate those problems. And it's actually kind of scary the way that they like imprison people to pay off Mm -hmm. their debts also in the metaverse. Like that shit is scary. Wow. We're just probably going to chart on the most depressing podcast of all time this week. (laughs) Positive Polly um, for that. Shining outlook on what the future is going to bring us. Um, Yeah. Look, look, I (laughs) I, I, didn't realize. Where do we go from there? (laughs) I guess like little blue dot. Um, I guess I like didn't mean to take it down such a dark path. Like I guess (laughs) what I'm trying to say is I think that the concept of the metaverse, like virtual reality, augmented reality. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a virtual reality headset that I go into and like work out in, right? Um, I think it's a fun thing to actually see develop and evolve, you know, kind of similarly to how we saw like the PlayStation ecosystem, like the gaming evolution mm-hmm. from like PlayStation and GameCube, Xbox, all of that. Yeah, GameCube. Um, I know. That in a while. Like that's a throwback. Or like, what was it Nintendo 64 or like Game Boy? Do you remember the Game Boy Super Nintendo, I used to have one. Thank you very much. I had Atari. Boy, yes. That's oh, a little before my time. So that's before your time. So <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, it's kind of cool though to see the evolution of these things and how mm-hmm. gaming has changed so such so exponentially. Um, but I think that there's a lot of like real use cases for the metaverse and what it can be outside of gaming. Yeah. Um, but I would hope our society wouldn't be ingrained like in a virtual world 24 seven, like the concept of the metaverse. Yes. It's frightening in a lot of ways for what it could be on a worst case scenario, but like on a positive, we could definitely like utilize it as a tool or a medium in which to express yourself socially, virtually, um, you know, creatively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like to be in there 24 seven and that be a new way of life. I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I hope not. Um, I guess my like, what I don't I don't really understand what it is. Is there more than one? Right, like lots of companies are getting into it, but like, what does that mean? Are they creating their own? Like, I I, I like, and I feel like this is all still questions to be answered at like the this level, right? So um, yeah. I know that there may not necessarily be an answer, but for example, we have a a headset at home as well. And I can't, I can't imagine being in it all the time, like working, working out, socializing. You know, I've I've obviously have that, and not only do my eyes like start to feel a little bit like it, it like it's uncomfortable, right? Like you get a little bit of a headache mm-hmm. or dizzy or whatever it is after like 30, 60 minutes. I mean, I haven't been in it that long, but you know, um, and then 
like there's also just I feel, I feel like it's like an equilibrium thing um mm. and a lot of people can't be in it for too long right so we went to a vr theme park when we were in japan i don't know a hundred thousand oh, years ago now cool oh my god yes i went against my will um because i don't like <laughs> I feel like Orion. most activities with mark happen <laughs> yeah. i'm like yes i'll go to the baseball game um <laughs> Uh, yeah, we went to a baseball game last year, and I remember going, I watched two whole plays out of, like, the whole nine-inning game, and Mark was like, they're not called plays. I was like, I don't know what they're called, so I'm going to continue to call them plays. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we went to this oh VR VR park, and I was I was actually really excited to do this Super Mario, like, Mario Go-Kart or whatever, Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Mario, Mario Kart. Mario mm-hmm. Kart, Yeah, yeah. And like there, it's not just a headset, but like you like sit in your car, right? So it's like oh, actually immersive. Cool. And nice. I I threw up immediately after. Like I was so really? motion sick. Because that one like wow. it like jostled you and stuff, right? So maybe not the mm. best thing to start off the day with. Mm. Then I just like gave my tickets to everyone because I was like, I'm, I can't do this again. But then they needed me for like it was there were four of us and so they needed a fourth for this like scary one and I was like I don't do scary and I am gonna throw up again like I'm not doing this and so it was like stationary this one and the idea was that you were like stuck in a um, in a wheelchair and you had to like get out of the haunted hospital or something and it was people were screaming okay. and I was like no I don't do scary like I I don't do scary <laughs> yeah but they made me so do you know what I did What'd I literally do? was like fine. <laughs> I'll go in so you can like do it because you need a fourth. Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes the whole time. And so I was just sitting there like with the joystick trying to like move. But I got stuck in a corner because I wasn't watching what I was doing. And so I never made it out of the hospital. Oh, another another thing though that like, I know this is like, it's just kind of funny, but Mark loves to like whip out the VR set and um, what he likes to show people when they're like, what, like, what is VR? Like, what can you do? He's like, oh, you can watch porn. And so he puts on like porn. And so this is like, it's like an initiation into this, into Casa, you know, our last, our house. Oh it's like, God. oh, you come over. We all sit on the couch. And we like watch VR porn. And we like, it's so funny. Cause even like you, you know that it's not real, right? Like I know there's not like a girl climbing up my leg. This, I know I don't have a penis. And yet, and yet I like, I'm like, ah, like don't touch me. It's so, it's such a weird like, oh, I, like I know I don't so have a good. dick, but yet I look down and I see someone <laughs> touching my dick and I freak out. Like, I don't know. It's it's a lot is all I'm saying for me. I feel like VR porn was the first use case for virtual reality that has like taken off and done so well in comparison to everything else. Um, yeah, I do remember us coming to Casa Speranza and... I can't remember what spurred this on, but we were, maybe we'd been talking about VR and Mark was like, yeah, VR porn. Um, and Pierre was like, VR porn. And he was like, oh, and then he ends up getting the headset out and we yeah. all kind of took turns. I was mortified. I was like, whoa, this is way too much. You were screaming your head off, but like, and also cackling, which then proceeded to make me yeah. cackle. Um, and Pierre was actually like, what is this? What? Pierre's what? looking at like the architecture <laughs> of the room. He's like, oh, wow, that window must be original. No. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's like a girl, you know, touching his virtual <laughs> penis. <laughs> sometimes like Mark, like, you know, sometimes Mark will just put the, the, the headset like, I don't know, on the dresser or something or like out on the couch mm-hmm. when I'm not home or whatever. And I'm always like, what were you doing when I was out grocery shopping? <laughs> He would probably tell you, he'd be like, porn. Yes, it must be our porn. Yes, yes. (laughs) But he also just like goes to the metaverse with one of our really good friends. Um, Mm. I was like, what do you do? And he was like, well, I have a stick of butter. And Joey was an old man. Like that was the avatar he chose was a stick of butter. And he was like. Beautiful. And Joey didn't want, couldn't figure out how to walk. So we went to the desert. We met a fox (laughs) who told him how to walk. And I was like. This is this is like wh- how we are leveraging the most advanced oh technology God. that humankind has ever seen. Okay, stick of butter going to meet a fox in the desert. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, 
clearly the technology, I mean, the technology has like grown leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but Google way back when, like their first iteration was like literally a cardboard thing. And then you would put your phone in there um, and you would like put it onto your face. And then, you know, it was also held up with a rubber band. Let's, let's not forget that part of it. Let's be honest. It was held up with a fucking rubber band. Like what? I actually forgot about that until just now. And I'm, I'm like irrationally angry at the fact that they were like, Hey guys, we're like, we're ready for you to like dog food things or whatever. And it's like, here you go. This is this product that we've been working on. And I was like, isn't that crazy? A Um, rubber band. Sorry. Just, just, I know, but it was kind of a cool concept though of like, okay, well you could use your phone, choose a VR experience and go into it just using this cardboard thing with whatever like lenses they had created on there with your device. Um, and it's so insane to me that that was like, what, eight years ago, seven years ago, six years ago when that was a thing. And now look at like how far the technology has come. Um, but I do think the concept of like a full-fledged metaverse is still like a years away from what a lot of people and I think in the media are building it up to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the headsets themselves still have a long way to go in regards to like the eye technology. Mm-hmm. You know, we typically get really fatigued um, and eye strain because our eyes are really struggling with the discrepancy between um, virtual and perceived depth. Um, I think also on top of that, you know, we still don't know what the roadmap was going to look like for what socialization will look like in this world. Um, also, the building out of the universe, the questions around like, will there be one metaverse or will there be several that are owned by different entities? Yeah, that um, I don't Will get. there be like an ecosystem per like headset device, right? Like Apple's coming out with its own headset device shortly. Um, I think probably by end of this year, if I read correctly from the article. Um, so then the question is, is Apple going to have its like own VR ecosystem um, outside of like what Oculus has outside of like the HTC Vive outside of like, you know, Microsoft has the HoloLens. Um, so it's, it's interesting because we just don't have answers to these questions. Like we're still very much like in the infancy phase of it. Um, and you know, there's just, I feel like there's this craze that is now developed and is heightened alongside the development of the the metaverse mm-hmm. is like also like this concept of like NFTs and cryptos, like everything kind of becoming virtual um, oh that I think is just heightened everything. So, okay. First of all, you know how I feel about NFT and crypto and I don't understand it. And you uh, like, <laughs> I, I literally, I know you like explained it to me so many times. I, I genuinely don't get it. We'll come back to that in a moment. But as you were saying, like, oh, will there be like one, uh, like a separate interface or if you will, per like yeah, hardware, if you will? Headset. Headset. Mm-hmm. It like made me think about, like, this is going to be the next like streaming disruption. Probably. Right? Like, mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like everybody had cable, right? You either had like Time Warner or Spectrum or whatever, Verizon or whatever, right? First, it was just cable. You put cable or you didn't. Then it was like you had cable or a box or a box or, you know. And so, and then everyone was like, ah, cut the cord, cut the cord. And it's so much cheaper for me to just do Netflix. Remember when it was like $5.99 a month? Mm. And then before you know it, there was another competitor. So now you had to have Netflix and Hulu. Then you had to have Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if like that's what's going to happen. And I, I don't know. I almost think that that's better mm. just so that like, I don't know, the, the whole idea of like monopolies, like healthy competition. Me. Yeah. Like it scares yeah. me that there's just like, oh, like what, like, like in Ready Player One, like one company can basically rule everything. And like, I hate that. So, um, well, I was actually yeah. having this conversation with, um, our friend Allie the other day, um, about oh. the concept of the, metaverse and, um, you know, some of the concerns around like, how is this all going to play out? Like when you think about, you know, we've talked about this several times where I'm just like, our society has these rules who actually created these fucking rules. Like who were the people that were sitting in the room making the decisions as to like, this is how society should operate. So when you think about these tech companies, for example, Mm -hmm. who are the people at the top that are making the rules? very specific background, very specific like financial background, very specific. Um, that's 
not very specific, but like not very diverse groups, right? And they're the ones who are going to be creating the rules and regulations as to what this metaverse will be, which in my mind is really scary because then it's like the same problems that we have in society where basically these rules that have been set early on over years have compounded and caused so many issues, I think, on a larger scale. Like when we think about financial inequity um, and other things, like imagine that playing out in the metaverse. Like there's a very specific group that isn't very diverse that are ones making up the rules and the boundaries as to what the metaverse will be. Um, and that's what's scary about having monopoly is that like when you do have healthy competition, it lends to more diversity of thought and allows for more expansiveness when it comes to what the possibilities are of um, utilizing the tech for good in my mind. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally understand where you're going with that. I do think though that like when society laid out the plans for society or whatever, when they laid out the plans for society, mm-hmm. there wasn't any element of like diversity and inclusion considered. 100%. And, and so I do, yeah. I'm going to be the romantic today and say that you. like I am a little bit more hopeful. I, f- I fucking have to be. Um, if not, we're gonna <laughs> we're really gonna spiral down down this rabbit hole today. And let's let's not. I feel like we've already taken our listeners to a dark place. And uh, no, but I'm 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 inclined to think that at the very least there's that awareness, right? And of course there there mm-hmm. could be more of it. But um, I am hopeful that we're going to we're not going to fuck it up as bad as we did. Like, life. No, that's real dark. I got to take that back. We're not going to fuck up, like, the <laughs> rules of the metaverse, the meta society, um, as bad as, as, like, they did Yeah, the world. Is that better? The little blue dot? I don't know, but... The little no, blue I, dot. It needs to be a consideration. Anyway, we got to move on, because this is, this is going to go dark, and we don't want to do that. We're supposed to be funny. This is comedy. Yes. Come on. We got to yes. be funny. We got to be funny. Okay. We got to be so, funny. This um, is dark okay, shit. Back, um, back to an NFT and crypto. <laughs> Jesus. It's like um, we both need some Xanax. I mean... I will say though, in regards to the metaverse, like and NFT is one of the interesting things that I've seen because there is this confusion right now as to well, excitement, a lot of excitement, but also confusion as to like mm-hmm. who the fuck is like creating the metaverse? What is this going to look like? Um, and a lot of companies have kind of like hopped on this metaverse train and are building actual you know business models around what the potential of that will be. And one of the ones that I find to be fascinating is this concept of buying land in the metaverse. Um, and it's not just one company that's doing it. It's like several different companies. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm sitting here watching people buy up quote unquote real estate in the quote unquote metaverse, which by the way, still isn't defined. Um, we don't know what the roadmap is going to yeah. look like. Like, could you imagine being someone who spent a shit ton of money to buy, let's say like all of London in one of these companies versions of a metaverse well, and then to find out five years down the line that that metaverse is actually not going to come into existence. And that piece of land don't mean shit. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I mean, okay, no, I can't imagine that because here I am driving a Honda HRV. Um, but no, I, f- I feel like those are the people who just have like fuck you money. And no offense to anybody who believes in this that much, but like if you don't have fuck you money and you're buying London in a metaverse, like you're, you don't deserve to have fuck you money ever at this lifetime, <laughs> in this lifetime, because I just like, I don't know. I personally think that's a really stupid financial decision. For every reason that you said, and I know that you can say, well, you will have missed the boat at that point, but it's like, go invest in a stock or I don't know, just go invest in something that's like actually conceptualized, right? It's not even conceptualized yet. Yeah. I mean, it isn't conceptualized at all. I think that there are definitely going to be like mavericks and visionaries who come out of this, who are definitely going to be billionaires, trillionaires, whatever, because they made the right choice. But at this point, like people should just know it's a gamble. Yeah. But I guess like how much of being a maverick is getting fucking lucky. And that happens in real life too, right? Like that happens in real life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. On the, on the topic of Mavericks, um, so I know mm-hmm. that lots of celebrities who have fuck you money, i.e. Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. Justin Bieber, they are buying up these NFTs. Um, I know some friends that have like bought and sold them and have made a fair amount of money. Unfortunately, none of you have fuck you money yet. When you do, please let me know. Um, but I guess I just like, <laughs> I don't understand like why, how, like, it, like again, my 
basic surface level brain that didn't even know what an astrophysicist did for a living. Um, it, are they not just like buying and selling like a PDF for like JPEG? I don't. <laughs> I Why are you laughing? So <laughs> no, because like that's like a lot of people's arguments about NFTs. So like, um, yeah. So like I. I guess I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this. So for our listeners um, who may not be like on the metaverse slash crypto savvy side of things, an NFT is what's known as like a non-fungible token, meaning it's something that that can't be replicated. It's one thing, give it away, that's it. Um, And there is this whole NFT art world that you're referencing. And yes, Paris Hilton and Justin Bieber, you know, they bought up, I think they were... um, they're members of the Board Ape Yacht Club, um, NFT holders. And Justin Bieber actually got into a lot of shit about this because he bought. So the interesting thing about NFTs is it's literally become just a market where people are making gambles um, and are trying to flip it. And so Justin ended up spending like millions on this like specific NFT, aka JPEG, <laughs> Perlina. But um, it is a JPEG. <sighs> It's a lot more complicated than that, but sure, uh, like but someone, essentially, like yeah, someone kind of uploaded a JPEG and then decided to do whatever it is they had to do to make it in NFT. But it started as a JPEG. Let's just clarify yeah, that. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so he basically bought it for like millions of dollars, which was like way above the asking price. And people were like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And basically part of this board ape yacht club is that there are certain jpegs if you are certain nfts that are more rare than others um meaning that it has more of a higher value no there's a multitude of of them so it's a collection of art pieces if you will but it's not more rare because there's only one of each well no there are some that have like rarer elements to them so like for example like if your ape had like an earring a specific like gauge or something in their ear or had like a freckle or a beauty mark or I don't know, fuck if I know, they would have like a certain like rarity aspect to it, meaning that the resale value will be a lot higher. Okay. It's a speculative market. That's, that's what it is. So, okay. Um, so sorry, really quickly before we go on, I just need to clarify something. Yes. Cause you've really, you've explained this to me multiple times. I still don't understand it. So if I, I'm an uncultured swine and already don't understand why something like the Mona Lisa is the most valuable piece of art in the world. I'm probably not going to give a fuck about NFTs and get it either from an art perspective. A hundred percent. Got it. Okay. Because I just want to say the Mona Lisa is ugly. It's not a pretty painting. It doesn't, I don't know. So she looks at you from every direction. Like, cool. I'm sure someone could do that with a JPEG now. Like, yeah, uncultured swine. I know. Um, okay, but you have to appreciate your like. It, it still does require an, an element of Anna Delvey that appreciates real art. Yes. So, okay. I feel like NFTs has like become this major scam potential if that makes sense, because of the hype around it and because of the hype yeah. around the metaverse, like there's like a really big art community that really loves the concept of these NFTs, right? Like it provides a real world use case for digital art and digital collectibles. Um, so like okay. it can prove the authenticity of the piece on the blockchain, AKA like once the artwork is minted, it's forever on this blockchain, there can't be replicas, which as we know in the real world, like art replicas are an actual issue. Like we know that there's a black market for um, art, stolen art, but then also art replicas of like Monet's and Dolly pieces and Van Gogh pieces, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of solves a real world problem to some degree with like high end art and, and, and like knockoffs. Right. Um, and then when you resell the piece, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Um, the original creator actually gets like a royalty fee and they can set up that fee. So, um, which I think is actually really great for, for creators and artists who, you know, this is their livelihood. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point though, there's lots of folks in the NFT art space who have similar arguments to you of like, well, it's a fucking JPEG. Like why would I pay millions for that? Um, personally, I think it's just kind of cool to see 
how it's becoming a form of solving a real world problem. Okay. (laughs) I know that that's a lot, but like it kind of does solve a real world problem. No, I guess, I guess my thing is like, as somebody who, like, I go to Home Goods at Target to buy the art in my house. That's fair. No, no, no. I guess, yeah, like, it's so, that. it just, I, I guess I also can't even fathom because it's not even an option for me to mm-hmm. not have the copy version. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I guess I just can't personally fathom. Even in the real world, even like a physical painting, I'm like, hey, cool, I'm happy, right, with like somebody. I I think the difference is like I wouldn't want to pay the price of a real Picasso Mm -hmm. for a a fake or for a copy. But I also think it's like so subjective. It's it's all subjective. And so if I think that this is worth a million dollars, but you think it's worth $20, yeah, that's on me to pay a million and on you to pay 20. So yeah. similar, similar concept. It's just yes. Okay, mm-hmm. I get it. I understand it now. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm just poor. It's, I think it's what I've learned in this whole experience. Stop. Why won't you buy a London no, in the metaverse? Because like, I'm poor. Why won't you buy an NFT? Because I'm poor. Stop. I got it. It makes so um, much sense. Well, I think that there's, you know, it's become just like such a massive speculative space that it's really hard to weed out, I think, like the actual authentic artists and art pieces and actual collectibles versus like what people are just doing to get like rich quick schemes. But what does that mean? See, so this is the thing that I don't understand. It's like, if I believe that like you, Maddie, upload a JPEG, make it an NFT, I think it's beautiful. I think it's worth $100,000 and I want to pay you for that. Why is that not authentic? If you're telling well, me some are. that there can be no copy, it's again, it's, yeah. it's all just like status. That's I don't know. True. It's all subjective. It's all status. Like I think that's why a lot of these like NFT projects are like hiring community managers and have to be very active on Twitter and create a lot of hype because that's really the only way because it's once again, it's, it's value is subjective. It's what the perceived reality is of those who are experiencing it, like what they think is a fair value for it, which is art in general, right? Yeah. That's um, what I'm saying. So the yeah. only real difference is, yeah. But there are people also you. who love this art world, right? So like for us, like I'm not a big art fan. Like I'm I'm not like you know it's not a thing that I consistently am up to date on, mm-hmm. right? Versus like pop culture moments. Kind of similarly, like the biggest difference between you and me, for example, and this has changed recently, but we're like you're really into like the whole concept of like self-maintenance when it comes to like the fillers and the Botox and like really taking care of yourself in, a, you know, these like phenomenal ways. And I'm over here like, I don't get it. That's changing now because I am turning 30 and I'm starting to see certain things sag that mm. I did not want to see sag. Um, but you know what I mean? It's a, where I was always like, I don't really give a fuck. Like this isn't my thing, but it was your thing. So it's just, it's based on like what a person's think, you know? Yeah, no, 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 for sure. But but that's what I'm saying, right? Like, so to dumb it down for me, mm-hmm. it's it's truly just like I appreciate this. I think there there mm-hmm. are two people that are going to invest in NFTs. The first one is like I truly appreciate the art, and I want to stare at it on my 10 inch MacBook Pro. Um, yeah. And I know that no one else can copy it because it's an NFT, right? And it's like in the blockchain and I don't understand the blockchain, but whatever, it's in there. And I know that that means like it's safer, right? Security. Mm -hmm. Or you're someone who's like, I have fuck you money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to buy something that other, that, that there has been enough hype. This is the next Picasso. This is the next whatever you are. And I just can, it's an investment. So it's either like you have so much fucking money that you can literally spend millions of dollars on a piece of code mm-hmm. with the hopes that A, it will elevate your status, B, like you can resell it later for profit or mm-hmm. you, but like you, like there is an element of like, you have, you have to give a shit and be very, very well versed in the art world in order for this to But it's also like a new space. You know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like the rules that used to apply to the art world don't necessarily apply to this version of art. Um, So, so for example, you know, um, I feel like with these 
bored ape yacht clubs. Like they're literally just the same character over and over and over again. It's like a massive collection of them, just slight variations in like the coloring and the accessories that are on this character, which I feel like in the art world, that has never really been a thing to have a collection of art pieces that all look the same with just like a slight variation. And there may be, don't get me wrong, but this has just become like the norm within the NFT space, for example. Um, And I just feel like it's a lot more speculative. Um, And there are times where, you know, like a collection drops. People are speculating on whether or not it will go up in resale value. So people will go in and just spend like $200 to buy this piece. Um, And then literally a month later, it blows up on Twitter, blows up on Instagram, whatever it is. And then you can, you know, resell it for like $1,000 or $2,000. Got it. But yeah, I mean, it's all, once again, it's all speculation. It's all subjective. It's all, um, I I just think that it's different rules than what the art space has typically been. Okay. Thank you for explaining it to me. Uh, So I think, (laughs) I just think I'm, I'm like one of those people that's like, I don't, I just, how do I explain it? I don't subscribe it's too to that amorphous. Kind of stuff. It's too amorphous of a concept, I think. I don't know if that right word now. means. Because <laughs> really it's, it's like, it's, it's still a concept, right? Like people are making speculation on a concept that still hasn't been full-fledged. Like we don't know how NFTs are realistically going to play out in the metaverse. Like people are thinking like, oh, well, I will have this piece and it will be able to decorate my home in the metaverse. But first off, we don't know what the fuck your home is going to look like in the metaverse. We don't even know if you'd be able to actually bring that NFT piece into your metaverse home. I'm sure it'll be a possibility, but it's once again, speculation. It's too, still too much in the initial roadmap or framework phase. Interesting. I will say though, what's really cool or that I've seen that's been pretty cool is um, some some NFT art collections or digital collectibles are creating like real use, um, real use cases of being able to provide like real world value alongside the NFT. Um, And a really cool example of this was one that I saw recently called Rainbow Rolls NFT. Like that was the name of the project. Um, and they were like these cute cartoony, like toilet rolls. Um, and like it was a toilet a collection. Yes, exactly. Okay. They were really cute and like had slight variations <laughs> once again per character. Um, and so what was interesting about the project was like 63% of the sales would actually go to a charity of their choosing. And the charity that they chose okay was RIP Medical Debt, uh, which is a, you know, nonprofit charity. They started, which is, they have the goal of eliminating medical debt. Um, And with the proceeds um, that they got from this project, they were able to pay off almost $7 million of medical debt, basically helping out about a little over 5,300 people across um, 16 states in the U.S. alone. Um, that's and cool. so just that's pretty cool, right? Where it's like you can create a community and actually help people. Like it's almost like crowdfunding to a degree too. Yeah. Um, but you get where you get a percentage. Exactly. So you get a percentage of the proceeds, of course, right? Because you're creating this art piece, but then you actually get to help the greater good, um, which I I thought was fascinating. Yeah. I think that's cool. So it's interesting because, um, you know me, I'm like always looking for like dogs to donate to and shit and someone on Instagram, I actually think it's like earth pics or something. I don't know. Something about the environment. Mm -hmm. You can donate, you can click and you can donate and in return, instead of giving you a hat, a water bottle. You mm-hmm. can choose which like phone wallpaper you want to download. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of similar, right? Yeah. Similar yeah. in like the exchange, less so in that exactly. the wallpaper is not an NFT, but okay. I don't hate that as much. And like you see it like across it. So for example, I don't know if you know Gary V. He's like an entrepreneur slash like motivational mm-hmm. speaker, whatever. Um He's loved by crypto bros. So he created his own NFT collection. And one of the things was, is that once you have an, one of his NFTs, you were then invited to like his yearly conference that he holds. So it's, like I said, it's bringing real world value. And there was another one that was actually kind of a cool concept where um, okay. 
they use the NFTs to essentially crowdfund for uh, creating a restaurant in New York. Um, but it's what? like very <laughs> elitist almost though. Cause like you basically won't be able to access this restaurant unless you're an NFT holder. In the restaurant or period? Like period. Like, like in that restaurant, like you won't be able to like enter that restaurant unless you're one of the NFT holders, which I thought was really interesting concept too. Um, but like you still have to pay for your food once you're in the restaurant, but you, can't even you get, are, get to have, so basically it's like this level of exclusivity. So basically it's Soho House is what you're telling me. That's literally <laughs> what this is. But like oh. you funded it, you funded this restaurant, you are a reason why it's getting created. It's your money. And so therefore you get the exclusivity aspect. That's what I mean by these NFTs are creating interesting and nuanced and new novel ways of being a use case. Um, I, I, I think it's cool. The real world value that they provide to some degree. Okay. So, okay. Not to rain on your parade or anything, but I know I said I was going to be the romantic, the hopeless romantic smiley one. No, I'm going to go back to being the contrarian that hates everything. No, I'm like, this is just, they have to provide real world value because they're sending you a fucking JPEG. Yeah. Pretty much. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it there. I think it's cool if people yeah. think that this is cool. I would rather buy the Range Rover and drive in it. because. But again, because I want the that's real fair. tangible value. And I think that that's what a yeah. lot of people are seeing, right? Like, why not buy the, the, the Picasso? Oh, because I can't hold it in my hand, right? Because I can hold it in my hand. Oh, well, if you buy this, what'd you call it? Whatever that, the Rush Soho house... And no, sorry, it's not Soho House. I should not say that because don't want to get in trouble. But you know, buy the Alina House NFT, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, again, Picasso or Alina House, Picasso or Alina House. Like, oh well, you have to be able to feel. I think that people, though, as much uh, now, now I'm thinking through this. As much as people are like excited and ready for what that means, people are still not ready to let go of the tangible. Yeah, 100%. The reality, right? And so I think, yeah. okay, I get it. But I, I, I think that that's an interesting point to make, right? That like as much as people are willing to risk it, people are, again, they still need that tangible correlation or exchange yeah. of something physical. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and that might be 100%. an experience. Look at me. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that's why like you've seen this evolution because originally it was like, oh, just create a piece of art and then speculate on that art if it's going to do well. But then there are the people who are like, you know, who basically had the argument of like, why the fuck am I paying X, Y, Z amount of money for a JPEG essentially? Yeah. Um, And that's when I think the evolution within the NFT space came about of like, oh, well, we have to provide like a real world value. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of fascinating. Um, I will say though, cause I have a funny story and I think you will laugh at this. Um, so here I have a story that's popped up recently in the news in the crypto space of, um, a potential NFT project gone wrong. Um, okay. it's, it's, it's a pretty funny one. Um, so there's this group called Spice Dow. Um, and apparently they acquired like this really rare art book. Um, and it's called Jodorowsky's Dune. So, you know, Frank Herbert's book Dune, right? That was a movie, right? Recently? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was a recent movie. Um, but there was a director back in 1974 by the name of Alexander Jodorowsky who wanted to make a film adaptation of Dune back in the seventies. Um, and two years into the project, basically like funding got killed, all of these things got killed. But what came out of it was like this beautiful book that he had created of like what the movie was going to be, right. Of like all of the essentially like uh, scenes and what was going to be in those scenes, um, et cetera, et cetera. So... Let me pull this up because this is funny. Um, so the, like I said, it was like book fold of concept art. It included set designs, character designs, a storyboard of the entire film was sketched in there. Um, and there was a, somewhere between 10 and 20 copies of this that exist currently in the wild. Um, and so what they did is they spent $3 million, which is more than a hundred times the actual estimate for this book. 
um, thinking that they could, because they wanted to make the book public, they wanted to produce an original animated limited series inspired by the book and sell it to a streaming service and support derivative projects from the community by basically essentially making it into an NFT project. (laughs) Here's where things get really funny. Um, Essentially, they just bought a really old and expensive book. Um, And just because they bought the book doesn't mean that they actually have the copyright needed to produce the vision. And they thought that when they bought that book that they got the copyright, which they did not. Um, And so now they're like in talks with legal with like all of these people on the copyright side of things to see if they can try to salvage this $3 million investment that they made to Ooh. actually be able to create this NFT project, thinking that they bought the copyright when they bought this book. Um, but they did not. They wanted to, one of the NFTs was that they were going to film them burning the book um, and like sell that as an NFT. But like, once again, bruh, you don't have the fucking copyright. So that doesn't really make sense. Um, anyway, so it, they basically like made massive waves in the NFT space because people are like, look, look at these idiots who thought that they actually got the copyright, but that wasn't actually the thing, which then goes back to like the NFT, like authenticity and like, what is an NFT really? What is the value that it can provide? Um, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, I thought it was fucking hilarious because would you imagine you're like so excited. You're like, I'm going to make fucking billions off of this. And you go in wait a hundred times over the asking price for this fucking book, thinking that like you're doing them a service while still knowing that you're going to make a shit ton of money or thinking you are. Um, and then finding out that you're actually a dumbass. <laughs> I think it serves you right. <laughs> Cause I hate everything and everyone. No, I like really like serves you right. What did you think? I think that, yeah, that was stupid. That Do hilarious? research, be better. Oh, this is also hilarious because they said they wanted to make the book public. But look at this. If the book was already free and available. So someone's getting fired. Someone's head's rolling for this decision, (laughs) right? Like whoever came to the table and was like, we need this and this is why. Like, bye. Sorry. Sorry, friend. You're probably never getting a job in the crypto world again. Isn't that, it's just like funny. I mean, like, this is what I mean though. It's like, we're in such uncharted territory right now that like people don't know left from right in this space at the moment. So it's like, people are still trying to figure out like, what is this? But but then again, it's like, then you have these costly ass mistakes where you spent $3 million. I mean, I know what I could have done with $3 million. I could have definitely just become a beautiful trophy wife and like (laughs) live the life that I wanted to live. Um, but yeah, they just wasted it away and are oh God, now idiots. embroiled in wasting even more money by having to legal. talk to legal counsel to like figure out some way to make amends. But so far, there is no light at the end of the tunnel for those folks. This is why, as Carrie Bradshaw said it, <laughs> I like my money where I can see it hanging in my closet. This is why I don't Girl, fuck preach. with them. I don't fuck with crypto with something that I don't know what it is. I don't understand. I don't do it. So serves them right. That's fair. I mean, I will say overall in regards to our conversation today around the metaverse, I would say the most full fledged thing, thing that's been like most fleshed out has been VR porn. (laughs) We should have done this whole episode on just VR VR porn. porn. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the, the way it's so interesting to me that like as humans, like, always whenever there's something that is sex related, that is the thing that gets the most attention and that is the most full fleshed out and developed before anything else. Well, I think like that industry in general is just, they're, they're like living in 20 or sorry, no, it is almost 2032. They're living in 3022 mm-hmm. because they have 100%. to be. I think it's also such a saturated market. Like they've, you've got to, you know what I mean? You've got to get on it. You've got to be cutting edge. You've got to, you have to, do it in, in any way to like connect with the with your customers, you'll do it. So VR porn, I'll yeah. invest in that. I'll invest in VR porn. Oh, a hundred. But don't come like, at me with a fucking JPEG. Else. I'm not giving you any money for a JPEG. <laughs> I'll go by the Range Rover, actually, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's just like hilarious to me that like I remember when the cardboard thing, like the Google cardboard yeah. thing. People were watching VR porn on, like, I remember 
even seven years ago, like VR porn was still very much a thing. And there were like some concerns around it because people were like, oh, we don't really want porn to be like the main like use case for virtual reality. Um, but I just remember like people like with their phones sliding it into the cardboard thing, just watching VR porn. Like that was like the main thing or usage of it before the rest of the world had been built out like around the gaming stuff and the socialization stuff. So I, I just... Well, I think it's, it's like such like, cavemen of us. Sex no, is yeah, the number one okay. thing. A hundred percent. But I also think it's like the most obvious use case for it. That's number one. And yeah, then I also I think agree. number two, I also feel like they probably were like, given the fact that there was like 3D movies already, like the technology was probably already like 50% there. Mm. So I think it makes sense. Like I said, well, I'll invest in VR porn tomorrow. You, you, you send me an investment opportunity. You, if you want your VR porn filmed, I got a guest house. Mark wants to rent it out for porn. <laughs> He's like, they clean for you does. everything. Uh, no, well, but also, they would have the pool too. Like that would be perfect. But then you would just be watching like dicks and and vaginas all no, day. Every nobody day. is nobody is putting juices in my pool. Anyway, all right. On that note, um, we are gonna wrap this up with a bow because I might have been lost gonna hear that. Um, but no, seriously, come to me with a VR porn idea. I will try to scrape, scrape together a couple of pennies because I would invest in that. Yeah, I I think it's the way to go. Um yeah, we'll see. This this metaverse thing. Um, it's still a long ways away. Um, and so it'll be interesting to kind of see like where the trajectory goes. Um, but I will say if we want to learn where the trajectory is going, we just need to see what VR porn is doing and then we'll we'll really know then. (laughs) I'm telling you, I, okay, this is my new thing. I'm going to just watch. I'm watch porn. Well, no, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to like watch what they're doing. Sorry. should have clarified oh, that. Oh, okay. But if you ever come over, <laughs> just be, be prepared for some VR porn because you will be subject to it. I'm sure I will be <laughs> at some point. Yes. Um, <laughs> I just will never forget Mark just like casually finding something for us to like all watch and then proceeding to put the headset on and laughing at us. <laughs> It's just what happens. Like I'm telling you, we we're we're good friends. We live on the edge. We want people to know what's happening in the world, and there you go. I love it. Yeah, educating mm-hmm. the people. That that's what we're here for. <laughs> Gotta bring you along for the ride. That's all. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Basic in the Brain. Be sure to join us next week for our next spin on intellectualizing our basic bitch interests. Be sure to join us and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tweet us at Basic and Brain and follow us at The Basic and the Brain on Instagram. Give us feedback. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Tell us what topics you'd like for us to cover. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye. <laughs>